the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello, families, and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm Jen Bryant, here with you once again. And as we end this year, I think it's important to go back to the beginning. The whole premise upon which Practical Family was begun was this idea of building strong foundations and healthy homes. And that metaphor came from actually my daddy, who is a contractor. He's a heating and air conditioning guy, but he's had to get his contractor's license and he's had to work with so many other trades in order to accomplish large projects. He actually built our house, which is in California. And we saw as little kids, we saw the foundation being laid, the framework going up, the cement being poured, the electrical and plumbing going in, and all of these steps that it took to build this house for our family before we could actually step foot in the door and call it our home. Families, maybe your home right now, your metaphorical home, the the culture that you've created, the the feeling that people get when they step into your house, maybe right now it doesn't feel like home. Maybe there's tension. Maybe you walk in and there are some cracks in the foundation or in the walls. Maybe people just don't feel settled some days. And you know what? It's not uncommon to feel that way. Every family, every relationship needs maintenance. Whether it's your marriage, your relationship with your kids, sometimes we can walk along and do the same things that we've been doing, go through the same routines that we've gone through for a long time, and we get comfortable in that. And before we know it, you know, the thing that needs the the new paint job is not getting the new paint job because other things come in front of it. Now, I keep using a lot of building and DIY metaphors because sometimes we need to relate the things that we can't quite put into words to a visual. And I love that that's what my guest has done today. We have on the podcast Dr. Shannon Warden. Shannon has written the book, The DIY Guide to Building a Family That Lasts, 12 Tools for Improving Your Home Life. I so enjoyed interviewing Shannon because she's just got this voice that is so warm and welcoming and understanding. I mean, maybe it has something to do with the fact that she's from the South and I just love those Southern accents. (laughs) But uh, Shannon has actually co-written this book with Dr. Gary Chapman. And as many of you know, Gary Chapman is the Five Love Languages guy. Um, Both of these wonderful people are psychologists and experts in their field in marriage and family therapy. A little bit about Shannon. She is currently a professor of counseling at Piedmont International University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She has also been an assistant professor of counseling at other universities and is a licensed professional counselor for over 20 years. She has counseled with hundreds of couples and families. So when you come across people whose specialty is people, you want to take a listen to what they have to say or read their books because Oftentimes, again, when we're going throughout our lives and our day and we don't stop to consider the effect that our relationships are having on our lives, 
things can kind of get muddy. You know, the the house can kind of get worn. The things that we loved about our family life that seem so ordinary now, they just don't have to be. Things don't have to be that way. So listen in as I speak with Dr. Shannon Warden about the things that we all can do to maintain our home life, meaning the relationships in our home. And be encouraged today that no matter what you're facing as a family, God can help you get through it through some very practical ideas and ways to change and ways to think about things. I so enjoyed this episode and I know you will too. Here is Dr. Shannon Warden. All right, well, we're here with Dr. Shannon Warden. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jen, I'm glad to be on with you. Thank you for joining us because you have written, actually co-written a book with uh, Gary Chapman, who of course is five love languages, everything. But this one focuses specifically on the DIY guide to building a family that lasts. I love that metaphor, the building metaphor. How'd you come up with that? Well, so that's definitely from the Lord. I, I went to Gary and Gary and I've worked together for years. I was on the counseling staff at Calvary Baptist Church, where Gary has been senior associate pastor since like 1970 or 71. So I went on to the counseling staff there in 99. And then a few years later, I felt led by the Lord, said, Dr. Chapman, do you have need of, you know, me to maybe help with your ministry in some way? So in addition to the counseling work I was doing at the church, um, and he said, absolutely. And at that time he was building a website because that was back in 2003. And so fast forward and a lot of uh, counseling related emails answered. That's what I've done a lot of with, with Dr. Chapman, a lot of help with the five love languages test, things like that. So fast forward 2015, um, I take some ideas to him. I say, what do you think about these book ideas? And um, so the one we wrote in 2016, things I wish I'd known before we became parents, that was one that he and the publisher were immediately interested in because that had been part of their plans that I had not known about. So that was really cool how God did that. And this other one was a home improvement type of book, and they really liked that book as well. And so um, they said, let's do the, the things I wish I'd known book first, and then we'll come back and do the other one. So that was just something the Lord laid on my heart because I'm a metaphor person. And so uh, home improvement is something I love. Anyway, the Lord just put it in motion and, and here we are. What a beautiful thing how you can come alongside and help each other as counselors, as communicators, that not all of the things need to be on one person. And, you know, putting together a website is a huge deal because it increases and expands your message for sure. What a wonderful thing. Oh, yeah. And Moody Publishers has since, I mean, for several years now, as the Internet became more of a thing, I was really outgrowing what we initially built. And I should also say Tom Temple, a church friend of ours and a professional in graphic design, he did a lot of the heavy lifting with the design of it. I was just more, you know, always kind of helping with answering questions, uh, helping with tests and whatnot, doing some research. And so, but absolutely, it is very cool how God has just brought mine and Dr. Chapman's relationship along. He and Carolyn were here at the house earlier this year. Steve and my husband and I got to interview them. And so folks, if they want to see a really cool couple talking about their 50 some years of success, check out that video. It's us interviewing Gary and Carolyn. And 
anyway, I told him in that video, y'all have been influencing us for like 20 years. So to get to work with him in these ways that I have gotten to do, uh, I tell folks it's like winning the American Idol of writing. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, who gets to write with Dr. Gary Chapman? So that's yeah. really, really cool. Oh, I love it. I love it. I even love the design of your book as well. I mean, I think this should be in the aisles at Home Depot. What do you think? Yes, it's please. orange. It's nice and orange. It's yeah. <laughs> it would fit in very well. I gotta tell you, you know, as a newer author, I mean, I've written a few things, smaller things, and obviously the first book with him and now this one, and I've got another one underway right now. And, but to have just a teeny tiny little bit of what he has had, it just blows my mind. So the fact that our book came out in Walmart and Sam's Club, I was like, oh my gosh, my brain was blown on that deal. <laughs> So Walmart, we're not we're not at Home Depot, but Walmart <laughs> is really sweet. So yes to Home Depot and yes to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah, Hobby Lobby. Yes, exactly. That's where this book needs to be. I so, love so while continuing the DIY metaphor, it's such a big deal now because you find yourself in either a home or whether it's an old bookcase. And I love putting together stuff like that. Actually, you can see probably my living room. That table came from yeah. the street. I painted it pretty and put it up in my living room. Wow, and to go. it's such a joy, especially for us, you know, living out here in Hawaii or if you live in a place where there are small spaces, there's such a feeling of, you know, the word I'm looking at. <laughs> satisfaction. Thank you. Satisfaction. Thank you. <laughs> the words just fell out. Satisfaction when you know that you've put your hand to something and, and improved it. That it Absolutely. was this before and now. And that not that what God does with our lives too? You know, we feel like we're just down and we can't get back up. But what does God do with us, you know? And the name of even your ministry, I love that, is the Repurposed Life Ministries. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, so that's where increasingly my life God has taken me to is looking at the old and how to make it new again. And I got to tell you, you know, when I was a kid and my parents would take us into one of the home improvement kinds of stores like Lowe's Home Improvement here where I'm at or Home Depot, something like that. I used to think, oh, this is terrible. I hate this place. And then all of a sudden something happens to you as an adult when you start to be the one that needs to be mindful about how you're spending money and, and how you're keeping up your home and everything. And all of a sudden I went from that person, that young person who thought, oh, this is awful, to this person who goes into Lowe's today and thinks, oh, this smells great. <laughs> I think they should totally bottle the Lowe's or Home Depot smell, and I think I would burn that as a candle or something in my house. It just smells so good. But, I mean, so Repurpose Life Ministry, just in my counsel, life as a professional counselor and somebody who enjoys home improvement myself, these were all just natural marriages into that that ministry name repurposed life because that's what god's doing to us he's picking us up off the trash pile like you said of your really cool table over there he's picking us up off of the trash pile so to speak in life and he's saying look i can give you a really cool new start and it's not just a once and done we're going to keep building this thing and i'm going to continue to blow your mind with all the things that we can build in this lifetime together and so anyway, that was kind of a little bit of the backstory to repurpose life and somewhat to the home improvement theme in the DIY book. Oh, that's beautiful, Shannon. Thank you for sharing that. Well, as a lover of metaphors as well, let's get Yay. into the, the DIY guide for today. We're talking about how to decrease disrespect and increase mm -hmm. gratitude. I mean, we, we've talked here at Practical Family a lot about, you know, teaching kids how to be grateful or how do you, how do you 
help them to shape that in their own little character. And in the book, you have a chapter specifically on the gratitude. How do you see disrespect really affecting families in the long term? Yeah, well, right, so at the core of gratitude is appreciation, is I value you, I value what you bring to this world, I value what you bring to our home life, um, be that our children, or if, if in speaking about a spouse, I value what you bring. And so if at any point I'm not valuing or expressing that value even. So it's one thing to just express it in your heart. It's another thing, uh, or to feel it in your heart. It's another to really actively express it. But if at any point I'm losing sight of that value and treating those gifts, those people, the gifts that the Lord has given me, if I'm treating them with less attention, less sensitivity, less respect, I'm in essence saying to God, I don't appreciate this gift. I like to go ahead and put it right up there. I'm not appreciating God. It's one thing to say, my husband made me upset or my kids got on my last nerve. And, and then that maybe somehow triggered some fleshliness in, in me, right? And some disrespect. But if, whenever I think about them as gifts from the Lord, I kind of elevate my awareness. I elevate my awareness of their value and their value in general. And so really at the core of, to, of gratitude there is just an appreciation for what God has given me in these family members. So in other words, the flip side of that is what I'm actually adding in there as well is if I stop that, I easily can begin to disrespect or take for granted the value and the treasure that they are in my life. Sometimes where I find myself as a mom, and one of the things that hit me in this chapter of the book is that I can be, in my effort to want to see my kids do the best that they can and all the potential I see in them, mm -hmm. I tend to be overly critical. And it can come across as being condescending. Because yeah. not just, I mean, as a recovering perfectionist, I can say of my, myself, making more of an effort to see the grace and have grace for myself, have grace for my children, my attitude can come across in a condescending way instead of trusting and allowing them Please talk about that trust factor and how control and trust really factor into the family dynamic. Well, in another chapter in the book where we're talking about control and, and compassion and these, we talk about several tools in the book, of course, but, you know, we say you can control your thermostat, you can't control people. Try as we might as moms and as parents in general to make sure everybody's on their A-game, uh, except unless it's me not on my A-game, right? I'm not always so conscientious about my own performance in life, but it all does go together in the sense that God has enabled that young person, that, that little kiddo, already to be able to do some things on their own, to figure out how home life works, because they're seeing us do it from the get-go. We're involved together, and, and, and he has built inside of us good sense even. And so kind of the combination of good sense and what we're modeling for our children, we absolutely can give them and allow them healthy opportunities for um, exercising self-control. If we kind of come back to disrespect on that, when they really are operating or functioning pretty well, they, we might not have liked the clothes they matched. We might not have liked that it took five minutes to tie that shoe. Um, we might not have liked that it took an extra reminder to, to pick up their dinner plate, but they are getting it. But we can trust that with good modeling, encouragement, that the Lord is also working in them and with us together to bring about 
healthy opportunities for them to have self-control, for us to trust that they can do these things. And again, I like to say healthy and appropriate. I mean, good sense says kids in various ages and stages, they're not able to do everything, right? So we have good sense to say, hey, this kid can tie his shoe. I'm not in second grade going to buy him Velcro shoes or, you know, and I kid, I'm some, that would be fine truthfully, but he's kind of a big boy or eight year old. We've got a six year old and eight year old and a 14 year old. And so he says, no, you're not going to buy me Velcro shoes. So I'm totally looking at the Velcro, but Carson is thinking, I'm going to get this shoe tied. Don't worry, mama. But God has given us lots of opportunities and he's built in us and in our family life, lots of opportunities to exercise trust in our kids that they can learn, especially if we're putting out a good model, they, they can learn. And so we, we want to trust that so that they get opportunities to practice um, being able to do some things on their own. Yes. So going from the parent-child relationship then to, to the marriage relationship, sometimes that, well, not sometimes, a lot of the time, I would say, that lack of appreciation can filter through even as well. And we can feel disrespected by our spouse whether that's just an internal reaction coming from a lot of that insecurity, you know, am I doing enough? Am I a good enough wife? Am I a good enough husband? Am I providing enough? Where do you think that can fester and how can husbands and wives DIY themselves out of that one? <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's really the hook in that, in the book is, are you doing it yourself? So in this case, if I want more respect from my husband and the same as we were just talking about with kids, if I want more respect, then I need to give more respect. I need to be more respectful myself. So I want to do it myself, DIY. So with a spouse, let's just say a very common example, right? I had this basket full of laundry. It's ready to be folded. And here I am walking across the room. He doesn't even, you know, mention, hey, can I help? Something like that. I, I get that as an example fairly often. So that could be taken as an example of disrespect by the husband. Or let's say, um, let's flip it. Let's say the wife is actually the bigger breadwinner in the family. It's a two earner in income and the wife is the bigger breadwinner and she could easily be disrespectful. Well, I'm the one that makes the bigger salary, right? I mean, you can, you just search yourself, search your home life and you will absolutely find examples. I will of where I am disrespectful at times of Stephen, where I'm lacking in appreciation for the gift that he is in my life, for the gift that God has made in him. And yeah, is he maybe at times or, or your spouse or, or someone else's spouse, a listener's spouse, are they maybe missing the mark here and there in some way? Yes. And aren't we as well? So um, there comes in kind of that balance of grace and, and checking ourselves, you know, for that DIY quality in this case of respect. Am I being respectful? We should probably talk to, I know there's some listeners right now whose situations are harsh. Like as I had a, a client recently say, you know, the husband opened the front door and he opened the back door and he said, you can get out. Mm -hmm. And that, that's different than just the husband. I, it doesn't fold clothes or the, the wife that, you know, puts her income in, in her husband's face or, or whatever, you know, it gets ugly. We're, we can be kind of ugly, right? With each other mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. for all sorts of reasons, tired and bad training ourselves or whatever, sinfulness in nature. But in that case, let's say for some of the listeners, they are, you know, wrapped into a relationship right now where there is mean spiritedness. Still, the DIY is there. I've got to do it myself. I've got to be respectful, forgiving. I've got to be loving toward this person. So I'm going to DIY it myself first rather than being such a good critic 
Nowhere in the book do we say DIY, do it yourself, be a better critic. We're always saying, no, do the right thing yourself. But it's, it, there is where somebody's going to need a little more help than just the DIY, than just even some of the great tips we give in the book. You're going to need a specialist probably to, to help with some of the harsher cases that some of your listeners might be experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, there is a time when we need to put our tools down or stop trying to do it all ourselves and yeah. go and hire a contractor yeah. <laughs> or go see then, which means seeing a counselor and that, and there's absolutely no shame in that. And even yeah. if your spouse won't come with you, folks, listen, go for yourself, go for yourself first. I have found this to be incredibly, incredibly healing for myself because a lot of the things I needed to make sense of for me before I invited my husband into actually constructively working on communicating better, you know, and understanding each other better. And that too also speaks to within a family, what we find a lot is that each family member, whether it's the husband, the wife, or the kids, they all kind of have different personal goals. And oftentimes I find, because we have, we have a large uh, audience of um, homeschooling moms. And so these, a lot of these mothers have more or less sacrificed their dreams or career before and have dedicated themselves to stay home. Some of them, that was their life's goal is to stay home with kids. And that's beautiful. But when another spouse does, or maybe doesn't know that they're doing it kind of tramples the dreams of the other. Talk about that a bit. How does that tend to play out in family life when we don't realize that we all have different goals and dreams? Yeah, I think um, especially for a Christian believer and say, so it's a, it's a woman who is a Christian, loves the Lord and believes that she should just as an act of submission, go along with whatever the uh, husband says, you know, if the husband is harsh, well, somehow maybe it's supposed to be this way or, or he is just somehow his work or his viewpoint is somehow more important that, that for some Christians anyway, not all, but you know, especially in around that subject of submission. Um, and then, and then if you add any level of doubt of self-worth into that mix, you got a lot of noise in your head saying, well, I can't say anything. Um, or back to trust. I can't trust that he's going to handle it well if I do. And maybe experience says he won't handle it well. And that gets complicated, I know. But at the very starting point, sister, can you just agree in your heart, this is valid. I am sacrificially putting all this time and energy and love and Advil into homeschooling my kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and he is not respecting the gift that I am and the contribution that I'm making to this home and to our family life. You know, worst case scenarios, I'm saying, I know there's some, you know, husbands who would be very supportive and, 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 and themselves are swapping in and out, teaching some lessons and whatnot and some, some subjects. But let's just say in, in some of those toughest situations, very first thing I want to say to you, sister, is it's valid. It's real that you're frustrated, that you want more from your spouse. And gift as he may be, he can get a little dust on him at times. He can get a little sinful. And so, but first, I I don't like, and I'm kind of a natural cheerleader for this. I I hate for folks to invalidate themselves. I've run into so many women over time who do that, either from just kind of a strict Christian upbringing or kind of maybe some confusion around the subject of submission or maybe just fear of conflict or whatever it might be. And so I just like to say, hey, it's real. And there's a bunch of us uh, women that will stand around you and say it's real. And so that for some people is a big starting place. Just after that, 
in terms of being respectful and keeping good communication, you really want to pray about it. Lord, guide me in my communication of this frustration I'm feeling. Soften his heart, open his mind, help us to, you know, in other ways, build positive relationship together. Help me to be loving and supportive toward him in other ways so that I can speak this truth to him. And Lord, again, open his heart and his mind that he can receive it. And hopefully you can begin to build some inroads of if he's not clear or is he slow to give respect and appreciation, you can inform him. You can ask him, I need this from you. And again, I know it can get dicey there. I know that some husbands and and wives by experience at times know he will not hear that, Shannon. That sounds great in a textbook. I I know that there could be warfare looming, but that's why you first have agreed in yourself it's real. You've been praying over it, asking the Lord to work, and then you look to build the relationship in other ways as best you can. Ultimately, you gotta you gotta be able to say it to him. I, I need your support in this area because it is real and I, I need you. And it's always better if the husband's a believer, but either way for the believing husband or the non-believing husband, they're both sinners and uh, it can just take a little extra effort to break through to him. But this is important and you need his support. Gosh, thank you for that, Shannon. That is such great advice. And the place to start is knowing and acknowledging that we're worthy first. That we yes. believe that because we can't enter into a conversation with anybody, even our spouse, anybody that's hurt us without first believing that there is worth and value on this side. Right. You know, Amen. that's Amen. wonderful. The maintenance then, let's end by talking about what it takes to really maintain a home. Because we all want a big, gorgeous, beautiful home. We want a great family to function well. But we can't have it all right now. It's that instant gratification. I can't have it all at one at once. So what are the daily tasks that need to be worked on in order to build a family that lasts? I tell people that the two chapters in the book that will change your life right now, fairly quickly. Now you'd say right now, meaning like the next 30 seconds, <laughs> I don't know, but soon they can, they have a fairly quick foundational influence on the work that you're talking about and and generally home life that we're talking about is compassion and love. So compassion is, it's it's internal first. And again, from the DIY standpoint, do I have tenderness, understanding, desire to understand in my heart toward my spouse, towards my children? Why is he acting like that? Perhaps he was raised that way, sadly, or perhaps he's struggling in, at work. Perhaps he's dealing with depression. M- many reasons there, but in my heart, do I have a compassionate heart toward him? Not just a blank check. You do and be any way you want to be, but am I operating from a heart of compassion to those children? Why is little six-year-old Presley flipping her lid at eight-year-old Carson? Um, because eight-year-old Carson is powerful little kid and, and he's this huge extrovert. And Presley, like our oldest Avery, is just really chill with being an introvert. So, you know, they get into it sometimes. And um, so from a compassionate heart, right? And I'm using my good mind, the good sense the Lord has given. And from a compassionate heart, a tender heart, a heart that wants to understand, I say to Presley, Presley, why did you throw the Jenga block at Carson's face? (laughs) And then I say to Carson, Carson, is this true? Okay, we get to the root of it because we were ourselves, we were trying to exercise a fruit of the spirit, self-control to uh, show compassion, to try to get the full story, to try to hurt with them over what they're hurting about, and then love. So compassion and love, because compassion helps them to see you are for me. 
mama, you are for me. And again, we want that from our children so we're de and our spouse, so we're DIYing it. I'm doing it myself because I want it back from you, hun honey. And I want it back from you, but uh, babies, I need it back. And then love, honestly, love and fun for me kind of go together. And we, uh, Dr. Chapman and I talk about fun in the book as well. But love is just five love languages, just as a good solid starter. Are you being understanding? And are you actively trying to express love to them in their specific love language? Those two tools right there will make a fairly quick, uh, I'm going to go bold here and I'm going to say almost immediate. I put a qualifier on it, but immediate. I put, I'm going to go, I'm going to Jen, I'm going bold. I'm going to say an immediate. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say immediate and listeners y'all write me back. Shannon, you were wrong. You lied. <laughs> but compassion and love are the two tools that I think you'll see some benefit from. Go ahead and dig in on those. Always DIY first yourself. Mm, oh, I love that. The, the way that you're referring back to that, do it yourself, do it yourself first. You're first. for yourself That's before right. you can give it to somebody else. Yeah. That's the hook of the book right there. You've got to do it yourself. Um, in the real home improvement world, you can, uh, I can decorate. I decorated our house. I picked out a lot of things, but I could not have begun to lay the foundation and put the framing up and hang the sheetrock and all this kind of thing. You know, I had to call in a specialist and, and same listener for you and Jen for you. You know, we're going to have to call in specialists at times, but the maintenance piece, I'm going to come back to that. The maintenance piece of compassion and love on a daily basis that will help to bring about forgiveness and better communication fun, organization, um, gratitude even, it, it, back to where we even started, it will help to bring all of those things to be in truth, compassion and love mm. for home maintenance, I should say, oh, and all of it. I mean, home maintenance or, or even repair work, you know, for the, for the folks who are trying to do some repair work, but on a daily basis, home maintenance, compassion and love. And I got to say too, we just built a house, Stephen and I, our kids, we built a house just here in last year. And I recorded the whole thing. People can see that on my website. I mean, it's got like 40 viewers per episode because I'm not even a thing. I'm just writing and teaching. You know? You're a thing, Shannon. You're a thing. Okay. That's <laughs> a big deal. I'm a thing in my house. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we were, we were doing that for ourselves just to capture those memories. And then, of course, I was putting some counseling encouragement at each episode. For the end, I uh, interviewed again our builder who did know how to do the foundation and the framing and the sheetrock. And I asked him about home maintenance. So our, our builder's name is Mitch. And I asked Mitch about home maintenance. And he said, the key to it is, is you've got to constantly stay vigilant on the outside of the house so that the damage that wants to come from the outside to the inside can't get in as easily. And then you're quick to make the repair. And so doesn't that just speak to us relationally? We've got to be on guard against selfishness, against disrespect, against coldness, against all of these things. We've got to be on guard of all the sinful factors that want to come in and destroy the bonds that we have. And including worldly factors as well that want to come in and, and destroy from the outside in. So, sister, be vigilant about what's coming into your house and into your body, into your relationships, and do the daily home maintenance that's necessary to keep that house strong, such that it's a house that those old kids come back to to see Mama and Papa, Gami and Papa, you know, later on, and they're bringing their kids because the relationships stood the test of time.
You've been listening to episode 79 of the Practical Family Podcast and my interview with Dr. Shannon Warden, author of the book, The DIY Guide to Building a Family That Lasts, 12 Tools for Improving Your Home Life. Pick up this book today, click through on any of our links there in our show notes, and visit practicalfamily.org for more encouraging information. I want to mention that this episode focused on a lot of the heart issues of family, but we also help you to focus on the physical environment of your home. Our home care section of Practical Family is called Home on Purpose, and my good friend Trisha Childers heads up that front. She has been such a blessing to Practical Family this year. She's got video series on everything from toys to kitchen to overhauling your wardrobe to holiday decorations. You'll want to check out what Trish has got going on over there. She's got great blog posts and she's created video series just for you, just to walk you through the pieces of your physical home that can be decluttered, reorganized, and she's broken those things down into such easy steps for you or anyone to take on these tasks that seem daunting, but ultimately they end in you having a more peaceful home environment. So we can do a lot to make our environment peaceful inside, in our hearts, and then out there in the world. Because if we're not settled at home, how are we going to be effective in the world? Let's come together this year, families, and as we get through the holiday season and even the new year or whenever you're listening to this podcast, decide today how you're going to make a difference in your home. It doesn't need to be all at once. Don't think that you need to take everything on all at once because that's just going to overwhelm you. I promise you that as you make small changes and be intentional about what you want to do and be consistent, good things will come. The Lord will lead you as long as your motivation is to love others and to keep family together. Thank you again for listening. This has been Jennifer Bryant with the Practical Family Podcast. Be sure to go on to Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us. Leave us a rating so other people know that this is a podcast worth listening to. And as always, we are here to help you to build strong foundations and healthy homes.